0: Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two,
1: one. Hey, welcome back. It's the 96th episode of the Cast, And hey, it's Mother's Day. So we're celebrating the moms out there. And making a special return for the momcast, we got Jake Trapila here.
2: Hey Steve, I got a question for you. Yes. What do you call it when a baseball player knocks the ball straight out of the park?
1: I believe you call that a
2: direct. Oh right. <laughs>
1: well, thank you, Jake. I love Absolutely. a little trivia. Yeah. <laughs> Good to have you back, buddy. Good to uh, be back. Also joining us, Sean Glinnis is here. Sean, how you doing?
0: I'm doing well, uh, although I just realized passed up a um, good opportunity to finally watch Albert Brooks' uh, mother this week.
1: Yeah, you really dropped the ball on that one, you big idiot. Uh, you know, how's how's the new apartment going?
0: Good. Is this a cocksucker residence? <laughs> um, I've, been, I've been using the telephone a lot and um, just kind of, you know, I'm here all alone, so I gotta do a little bit of a one-man show type of thing.
1: Ah, that makes sense. That makes sense. That's good. That's good. That's what you gotta do, man. If there's one thing that, that Whoopi has taught me, uh, you know, you gotta keep yourself entertained when you're isolated alone in an apartment. Uh, have you done any like hibachi style grilling from your kitchen?
2: It's a Japanese joke. Very funny how they I
0: have a lot of characters. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna fine tune them for when you visit me, see you-
1: <laughs> Wonderful. Well, you know, as as long as they are all in the spirit of Whoopi Goldberg and incredibly racist and also poorly done, that's really all I ask for from my friends. So thank you, Sean. Uh, joining us as well, we got Stephen Coleman. He's back. Hey. Survive the Whoopi. How you doing, bud? I'm feeling great. Feeling great post-Whoopi. Yeah, it's weird how like other other movies exist, huh? Isn't that strange? Like Al Brooks' mother, which is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh and finally we got uh we got jack back with us jack how are you feeling man you had a rough night
3: uh, i did have a rough night yeah i drank a lot so um yeah no i'm I'm doing okay and when we get start talking about one of the films here i drank a lot during that too but that was a separate instance i'm just dealing with this quarantine thing the only way i know how
1: Mm-hmm. Well, Jack, you know, normally I'd say that, uh, you know, this this is a pretty easy joke to make, and I'd make a remark about how you're Irish and you drank too much whiskey last night, but I'm above that, so I'm not going to make that joke. I will say, though, if the podcast ends up banjaxed, it's entirely your fault.
3: Okay. Good <laughs> that's, to know.
1: That's my Irish word that I learned for today, so you're welcome.
3: Banjaxed. Oh, so, yeah, I, I forget that's kind of Irish. What? Sorry, I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's just a word to me.
1: How, how do I know a word <laughs>
3: <laughs> Come on, I'm doing I'm doing my
1: homework on this shit. I didn't even mention "Wind that shakes the barley" once up there. Well, you know, there it goes. But there
3: you go, it's, it's happened. <sighs> hit my quota. You, you, we we gotta we gotta get like a fine jar. The wind that shakes the jarley. <laughs> that you set throw money into.
1: <laughs> wind that shakes the jarley I'm into that. All right, boys. Well, we are celebrating the beautiful mothers of the world today. Lord knows we love them. And how better to celebrate the mothers of the world? than with a series of movies uh, featuring a lot of moms getting murdered or people trying to kill their mom. So I I think we should start off with probably the best thing for my money that we watch for this little uh, slate of films. But this one is – it's something that I'd I'd never actually watched all the way through prior to this podcast, even though I'd probably seen snippets of it on Comedy Central in the late 90s, early 2000s, like a million times – and also, I love John Waters, but I never got around to this one for one reason or another. Uh, we watched Serial Mom. So, I guess, uh, Coleman, why don't, you, why don't you start things off? What, what is Serial Mom?
4: Serial Mom is a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't expecting wow. you to kick this off. Come on! <laughs> You're better than this! <laughs> start. <laughs> Kathleen Turner plays a idyllic suburban mother or is she what is she doing
1: on the side murdering people wow this is the the back of the dvd cover pitch of the century man you're 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 Um. killing it uh yeah this is it's kind of an odd period in john water's career because i mean it's it's post hairspray which is clearly his his most like accessible film in terms of family friendliness and then when he transitioned in the 90s he did this weird hybrid thing for pretty much the whole decade where he was still making mainstream movies more or less, but they were a lot more John Watersy <laughs> than Hairspray or really just a lot weirder than anything else going on in mainstream theaters at the time. And this one is is kind of the perfect balance of old John Waters and new John Waters because it's still it's it's not too crazy and over the top but it's still got a lot of that kind of like douglas sirk uh, mellow drama, family drama weirdness that Waters seems to be obsessed with
2: yeah it's, it's, it... <laughs> <laughs> he manages the, the tone of it very well because i think in the hands of many other filmmakers it could be insufferable to watch because just of how everything is pitched but everybody is like, all the performances are note perfect, I think, in this movie. And it really is, is it's kind of like a a, a very barbed satire of like a leave it to beaver style household, except uh, June Cleaver is uh, making obscene prank phone calls and then killing people who mess with her family. Um, but I had never seen this before and I had a really great time watching it. I think Kathleen Turner gives a formidable performance. Oh, Kathleen fantastic. Turner
1: is amazing and the other thing and you, you can't give John Waters enough credit for this is there another director in the history of film who has been able to make Matthew Lillard tolerable <laughs> and I would say no it's not possible not possible also another shout out to John Waters because maybe uh, you maybe never we... saw The Descendants
2: oh yeah you're right that's <laughs> twin, twin piece that of return <clears throat> Scooby-Doo I mean
1: come on Scooby-Doo is where you got me, you're right. <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck Twin Peaks, but Scooby-Doo for sure. Uh, uh, also, uh, Twin Peaks is a TV show, it's not a movie, so uh <laughs> doesn't count. Uh, Will Wheaton actually auditioned for the role of Chip originally, and he got turned down in favor of Matthew Lillard, which is awesome because Will Wheaton's a real piece of shit on the internet. So uh, I feel good about that. Thank you, John Waters. You're a beautiful man, and we love you. He yeah.
4: foresaw uh, <laughs> it.
1: What's that? He foresaw it. He foresaw it. He is. He's, I, the sage wisdom of John Waters cannot be
2: denied. I think he foresaw a lot of things with this movie. Like just one of the, just a random little moment is where he's working at the video store and the lady returns her VHS tape of Ghost Dad starring Bill Cosby. And she just says, oh, I love Bill Cosby. Like what did John Waters know that we didn't back in 1994? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, that was, that was one of my favorite
1: jokes from the whole movie. And I, I don't think it was supposed to be, f- but that, that part was great. Flat out also office
2: bomb, but yeah.
1: This movie, it finished. It like finished shooting like a month before the OJ shit started. So yeah. really, he he na- he nailed the whole like American obsession with uh, you know, courtroom drama and you know the unthinkable happening and and someone you love going out and killing people. He nailed it, absolutely fucking nailed it. Yeah. So Jack, how about you? Did you uh, did you dig this one or was this not? Not to your Irish liking. Oh, this, Sorry, it's no women's shakes the barley.
3: It isn't, no. There's there's not a lot of the film devoted to the the difficult struggle for Irish independence. But <laughs> leaving that aside in this film, now, Serial Mom is great. It's it's I, one of the, the peak films, I think, of what I think has turned into a really enjoyable subgenre of like suburbia as a death by a thousand cuts, so kind of like a mental illness. Um, which I think is a really fun thing to live in because it's uh, so many people grow up in the suburbs and they're all uniquely a little bit off. And I think we can all relate towards suburbs being sort of weird little micro dimensions of, of neuroses. Um, and this one just does such a great job of, I mean, literally just a mom who starts killing people for breaching random social etiquette because etiquette is what holds together a suburb kind of like there's i don't know it's uh, suburbs are a weird space where everyone has a lot of space to themselves you know you have your your house and you have your yard and you have this kind of vision of freedom your car there's this independence to it um but you know you, there's still this individualism of the suburb it's kind of like you know you, you still have all this stuff so you're like you live among people but you're you're still kind of an independent unit i think this idea of this etiquette that glues suburbs together You know, a lot of it's nonsense, like don't wear white shoes after Labor Day or whatever, which ends up Patty Hearst buys the farm because of it. Um, (laughs) And, you know, it's just it's just a really fun satire of just of someone looking after her family and looking and upholding social values to Mm. her own standard. Um, And yeah, this is this is just really, really entertaining. Yeah. And a huge shift from the Whoopi Goldberg comedies.
1: <laughs> so refreshing. Yeah, Kathleen Turner uh, is like she's like the OG internet Karen. You know, instead of calling the manager, she's just gonna fucking stab you to death, which is very respectable. So uh yeah, I I enjoyed that. And the other thing that I think this this movie gets really right is obviously like John Waters is this big underground filmmaker and he makes some really weird out there shit. But He's able to balance his own weirdness. Like he's he's able to keep himself in check without sacrificing anything, which is extremely commendable and not something a lot of filmmakers can do very well. And I, I love how there's this gag in the movie where one of the kids is in his bedroom, like honking his dick. To <laughs> Double Agent 72, the, the Chesty Morgan movie, which is a, a Doris Wishman special, if you want to seek that one out. But it's this old, like, 70s exploitation movie starring a woman who has, like, the most obscenely large breasts ever, as far as I can tell. And so it's just cutting between, like, this ridiculous movie him in this absolutely absurd like jerk-off sequence and then the cops burst in with their guns drawn because they think the murderer is in his bedroom so it works as just like a general sight gag but also it's it's hilarious that doris fucking wishman one of her movies made it into serial mom which is just absolutely incredible
3: (laughs) there's so many weird i mean like l7 show up in this uh patty hurst as mentioned before um I should think there, there's a few other weird... Co- I mean, we have stuff like Straight Jacket, Joan Crawford, William Castle movies in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's, like you say, just a really fun kind of amalgam of a lot of John Waters' kind of, like, interests in kind of counterculture, both past and present, integrated into a film that really plays... I mean, it's shot really well. It really kind of brings on that kind of oversaturated color, that kind of idyllic... You know, like it's the opening sequence of Blue Velvet, mm-hmm. just but uh, like instead of the insects doing crazy stuff, it just stays. It's the people doing it, but it's you know that just kind of overblown sort of vision of suburbia. So, um, yeah, no, I'm I'm a big fan of this. This is uh, and it, again, just really easy to watch. There's as much as there's some oblique references and film stuff. You're not dependent on that, no, uh, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's great too. Like just. The commitment of Kathleen Turner to this character and how she plays off just all the all the little minor characters and stuff like the uh the garbage men. Absolutely love that scene. She just goes over to drop off her recycling and gives them each a little mini bottle and then goes on this, you know, tear about how, oh, you know, the neighbor doesn't recycle and <laughs> <laughs> the the garbage man instead of being suspicious or just being like yeah wow Ooh. that sucks they're just like oh yeah fuck that bitch I can't believe it <laughs> and then they're like someone should really do something to her and she's like yeah someone should it's just absolutely fucking nuts and the prank Speaking phone calls weird- too oh my god. <laughs>
3: Speaking is the the funniest joke I think in the whole film the one I just couldn't stop laughing over is at the flea market where these two kids buy this like shitty portrait of Don and oh, I was hoping somebody was gonna bring that <laughs> and one up. The, and one of them's just like and what the, the, their conversation's like fucking Don Knotts and the other person says he's the
0: coolest <laughs> what is happening
4: yeah that was great.
3: Uh, <laughs>
2: God, absolutely amazing. I, I think the random throwaway line in the same sequence is, uh, "Do you accept New York money?" Which I don't know what that means, but it's just funny to me. <laughs>
1: yeah, and I mean, the other part of this too is, I mean, there's this kind of like left to center weird Gonzo humor, and then there's the all the domestic suburbia stuff. But you can't really downplay how gory this movie is too. It's it's almost shocking you know and i mean that's saying something coming from a john waters movie here but you know the the part in the flea market where she takes the fire poker and just stabs it through <laughs> oh, the guy yeah. at the urinal and just like skewers his like his liver like <laughs> it's a kebab <laughs> it's it's pretty gory stuff i mean god she, turner bludgeons a woman to death with a leg of lamb another great sight gag where she has the butcher knife and you expect yeah. her to come up and stab this woman from behind who's singing along to uh what is it tomorrow. Yeah, like, to tomorrow In tune with
2: the song right like
1: yeah <laughs> so instead of stabbing her he she grabs the leg of lamb and just bludgeons her with a, a full fucking roast it's incredible stuff and another funny thing about that scene that I found out later was because uh, I was like, okay, well, it makes sense that John Waters was able to get the rights to show a bunch of scenes from a Doris Wisham movie or a William Castle movie, but on a, a movie like this where it's it's a mainstream movie, but the budget is not through the roof, how do you get the, the rights to Annie, the Annie song? And the answer is they tried to get them and the only way they were able to get them was the the owners of the rights found out the scene that it was going to be used in and the context and so they decided to charge more at that time than they had ever charged before for the use of that song so they charged john waters sixty thousand dollars to use like 20 seconds of that song (laughs) so yeah about a tenth of the budget there probably went to uh just that's absolutely song. worth yeah. it. Totally worth it. Totally Money worth well it. spent. Yeah. You, you, can't, you can't really do better than that. Absolutely amazing. Um, so I mean, is there is there anything other than obviously if you if you haven't seen Serial Mom or if you only caught it on Comedy Central or you haven't seen it in years, like watch this. It's really good. It's as good as anything I think John Waters has done. Just absolutely amazing stuff. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else you guys want to say about this one before we move on?
2: Um, just want to say that I think Kathleen Turner's commitment is great because she's also I think she was also cast because she's the only actress who didn't ask John Waters to make her character more sympathetic she really just sinks her teeth into this role and it's better for it and also when she uh, kills the guy with the fire poker and then somebody comes in and discovers the body I think that's the best use of the uh, the Howie scream uh, this side of Broken oh, yeah. Arrow <laughs> <Just amazing laughs> which stuff. by the way if you don't Sounds know what funny.
1: that is let me see if I can play it here <laughs> We
2: should have that on the soundboard. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that's the Howie scream, which don't, don't confuse that with the, uh, the Wilhelm ah. scream, which is a different one, <laughs> a little shorter. It different is, screams, guys. People confuse them all the time. Watching
4: Serial Mom was the first time I ever had to Shazam a Barry Manilow song.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I always like when I use Shazam, too, because it's got some really, like, shitty data mining practices and I only Shazam really dumb shit so you get targeted with some very fun ads after you Shazam something <clears throat> so uh, yeah it's, it's really, really fucking up the algorithm which I appreciate so I'd rather get served ads for completely dumb bullshit which it just as a, a brief aside um, because of my terrible internet habits and uh, lack of concern over my own internet privacy I got served an ad for something very dumb and I clicked on that ad, and I ordered the thing and sent it directly to Sean's new apartment. So, Sean, you should be Ooh. receiving that in a few days. <laughs> nice. And I promise you, it's it's dumber than you could ever imagine. I just hope it's real because sometimes I click on things. I'm like, mm, I don't know.
0: Is it something I would probably just getting use? my my?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think you're gonna use it every day. Actually, okay. oddly enough, it's got a lot of utility. Huh. so you'll, you'll enjoy that we'll, we'll connect on that one for the next episode I'm sure but cool alright well
0: to.
1: something to look forward to man uh, really really gonna brighten up the new apartment and just your general outlook on life I think <laughs> <laughs> uh, another movie that we watch for the, the mom episode this week uh, it's another comedy central special in that uh, this is another movie along with I think the, the other one in the in the Holy Trinity Serial Mom so I married an axe murderer and throw mama from the train. And uh, it's, it's another movie that up until this point, I had never watched uncut before. I had only seen the Comedy Central version. So I, I was really happy we got to watch this one because I didn't... I, I knew Danny DeVito was in it, obviously, but I didn't know that he directed this movie. And... I also didn't know that it's way fucking funnier than I remember it being when I was 12 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. yeah so this one is incredible. De Vito, De
0: a, his, his movies are good. I mean, I think um, positive that this was like his breakthrough uh, directorial uh, work, and I am not surprised that this got him, you know to be like sort of a director in his own right going forward. Uh, I mean, he did like some prestige stuff like Hoffa and, uh, to uh, war of the roses, but then eventually returned to black comedy, but,
1: um, which seems yeah. to be his, well, point. I'd still say war of the roses to me. I mean, it's, it's kind of serious, but it's, I mean, it's still, it's a jet black comedy. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, um, I, I, I remember, haven't I seen it. War war the roses roses
0: has been crazy. I you haven't know. seen war of the roses. Yeah. I, I just figured that and it was up the same alley as Hoffa. Um no
3: no it's closer to serial mom, okay, honestly, okay. if I recall. I haven't seen it in years, but it's it's pretty i have to there. watch
0: that. Um and then he, he obviously eventually did uh Death to Smoochie and uh Duplex, both very good movies. Uh or at least good movies, black comedies. Um and but, but what this is funny. This movie's funny and Billy Crystal has a lot of charisma like that was is the Billy Crystal sweet spot like the late 80s. But um, I one thing I wasn't expecting was how much craft there is in this movie. And I'm sure we'll get into like how the movie's playing with Hitchcock uh, overtly and um, he kind of is emulating some Hitchcock stuff. But even aside from that, like there's it's just a very well put together movie and, and interesting to watch on a technical level.
1: Yeah, it's it's like you said. It's really well directed, really well put together. Uh, Devito has a, a sense for editing when it comes to comedy yeah. that I don't think a lot of directors have, and it just seems like it seems so natural for him. And one of the one of the best scenes is uh, it's kind of early on, but Danny DeVito is in where is he? Like he's Hawaii in Hawaii or, or Maui or yeah, Hawaii, and he's he's trying to call billy crystal to tell billy oh yeah with the shot of descendants that's good and he's he's trying to tell billy crystal that he killed billy crystal's ex-wife and he's he's doing it from a payphone because he's like oh I, i don't want anybody to trace the call so i can't talk for long but he but he just keeps jumping between these different payphones and just calling him every ten seconds at it from a different payphone. And it's kind of funny at first this is like a little gag and then he just kinda of blows yeah, the whole thing up yeah. and all of a sudden there's he's just like in front of like a cow field or something.
0: It's horse. Just, yeah. What
1: the fuck? Yeah, there's a horse, horse, yeah. It's like yeah. what the fuck is going on? It's a good gag. And it's it, that was my favorite yeah.
2: gag in the entire, probably of all the movies we watched. That was my single favorite thing was that gag because on because it cuts to him hanging up on Billy Crystal's end, and Billy Crystal's exasperated. and the phone immediately rings, and we cut to DeVito <laughs> miles away from his previous location. And but no like time a, has passed.
0: There's a second where like I think Billy Crystal like picks up the phone and starts talking, and you I don't know if if this is like. That devito's aim but it ends up being this way where you expect like you know he launches into to like some like passionate wording and you expect it to be somebody else but it is devito he's just in a different location
2: yeah
1: yeah it's honestly it's yeah it's amazing stuff and you know i i guess one of the things that stuck out to me too is and I, i didn't realize this as a kid but Billy Crystal's really a piece of shit in this movie, and it's fucking great. Yeah. And yeah. I went back, and I was I was interested in, I mean, kind of the, the critical discourse around it now, because it's sort of cemented itself as, as a comedy classic through syndication and, and whatnot, uh, but also like how people received it originally. And it was wow. interesting because most people were like, oh, DeVito's a great director. Oh, it's a fun Hitchcock homage. DeVito's great in it. Anne Ramsey is great in it. But everyone has been super hard on Billy Crystal. So critics 30 years ago or whatever, they seem to think that like his performance was very one note and they they didn't like that. And a lot of contemporary critics are just like, well, Um, Billy Crystal is uh, he's extremely sexist in this movie. And uh, I don't think that's good. You know, we should want to root for this guy. And uh, clearly we cannot. And both those things are just like, like, I can't I can't figure out where either camp is coming from on that because and correct me if I'm wrong Billy Crystal's character is a total piece of shit but also the point is he's a total irredeemable piece of shit he's going through this whole movie I'm not a murderer but it doesn't fucking matter you're an asshole yeah like that's the, <laughs> yeah because the whole movie is him saying you are you know oh and you're terrible you're terrible you're terrible and yeah Danny DeVito's character is terrible in his own way but Billy Crystal's a fucking asshole. <laughs> I mean, we—that's we <laughs> the it, idea.
0: We get it so like straight from like his introduction in his classroom, like that he obviously doesn't care about any of the the people under his tutelage, and he keeps calling his ex wife a slut, like uncontrollably, like uh, he can't contain. Uh, it, it, yeah. Yeah, it. But it, it's it's like you know it's kind of um, I'm sure that it was bigger. At the time like that type of character you know like that jerry seinfeld was one in the show um but uh ben stiller i think was was one as well he ended up being that type of character in um in devito's duplex later who's also trying to kill an old woman um which is uh i don't know if devito has it out for old ladies but uh, <laughs> but De- devito I, I, I guess we should say he has like this funny relationship with his mom this sort of like in and
1: uh working
2: through some shit
0: yeah but um but i want to hear what the rest of you guys have to say um uh,
2: i had never seen this before i knew nothing about it i had no idea it was a strangers on a train riff um i mean like if i had only really seen the poster and if you asked me what this movie was about i was gonna guess that uh, Danny DeVito and Billy Crystal were brothers and they were going to murder their mom to get their inheritance or something but um, I was really uh, surprised at how great this was um, I think it takes a little bit to get going but like once the once the murder plots uh, take off I think the the second ha- act really hums along and there's a lot of great lines uh, like one of my favorites is where they're driving and they go down a hill and all the, the trees are whipping the windshield and Danny DeVito says it's like a Flintstones car wash in here and Um, There's, uh, and it's also like what really struck me, it's, you know, for like darkly comic it is, it's also very tender. Like this scene where DeVito shares his coin collection with Billy Crystal is like very oddly touching. Um, Mm -hmm. And then um, one thing that like kind of really made me laugh a lot after I watched it and was thinking about it uh, is at the end, uh, we should say that DeVito's a student in Billy Crystal's creative writing class And at the end, he becomes a best-selling author and he makes a pop-up book that is very popular with kids. But what was really funny to me is that like ch- children like to read pop-up books with weird cartoon characters in it, and they don't like to read pop-up books where the main characters are two middle-aged men doing things i don't know i, I don't know if that was the aim And Ann but Ramsey. That, yeah and Anne <laughs> ramsey i don't know if that was the aim but that was just really funny to me that the main characters of this best-selling pop-up book were literally danny devito and billy crystal uh <laughs> I don't know. That was just funny in hindsight, but um, yeah, I thought, and it looks great too. I think you know the the, the Hitchcockian flourishes are great. The, the comic editing is fantastic. Uh, Anne Ramsey oh, was Anne Ramsey. Nah. Oh, she's terrifying. Is nominated she terrifying? for an Oscar. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah. She's only and fourteen years older than Danny DeVito, by the way. Oh wow! <laughs> oh god! I didn't she yeah. died like a year or two after a this came after, out? After, yeah. yeah, her last yeah. feature film, Homer and Eddie.
3: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Homer! Homer! Life can be cruel.
0: Homer! Homer!
3: Homer! <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <He's> broken. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, this um like throw him off from the train is shot by Barry Sonnenfeld and has like this just really great um kind of like a really great quality in terms of like its visual style. Which I think really works well with it. If I'm maybe a little less hot on the film than than you guys, I still quite enjoyed it. But I do, I I kind of felt towards the end of it like I wish it would be a little, a little darker. I don't know, Crystal's character, you know, is redeemed a little bit. And I'm kind of like wondering why they felt the need to do that. Like, like let's just yeah. live with them. But, but yeah, I mean, it's it's probably a question of some accessibility. I, yeah, um, I wonder Not everyone if, wants to watch it truly miserable. I, full wonder, I wonder if that
0: also had to do with DeVito's, like, pull at that, or lack of pull at that point, because it, it, later in his career, he's clearly interested in going, like, super dark.
3: It's very possible. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows? But, I mean, it's it's a minor complaint in, in the whole um, whole scheme of things. It, it really works very, very well. Yeah.
4: Yeah, it's been one of my favorite uh, movies pretty much my entire life, so I'm just happy to hear that everybody enjoyed it so much.
0: Yeah. I, uh, it's funny, Steve, that you uh, played that drop, because um, I my memory of this movie was of... Uh, being at my aunt's house as a kid and they had like one of those huge cumbersome like big screen TV like plasma pieces mm-hmm. of junk and they have rented this or bought this VHS tape and we're watching it and I remember catching just a glimpse of of the beginning or at least you know catching as much as you can uh, from one of those TVs in the middle of the day um, and The clumsy poop thing. Just me and my siblings would quote that for for like years.
1: (laughs) You clumsy poop! I I, (laughs) I also
0: really like the small like gross touches, like him like clipping her fingernails or toenails.
2: Oh yeah, or extracting. Pretty much everything Anne
1: Ramsey says is it's so great too, and I love the way that like Billy Crystal reacts to whatever Anne Ramsey is saying. So I mean, there's there's a great scene on the on the titular train at the end where you know Billy Crystal the entire movie has been agonizing over this first line for uh his his new book that he's writing and he's just like yeah you know it's like the night is human the night was this and then whatever the word is that he was looking for Ann Ramsey just says it she's like hey you fucking idiot she just gets up and he's like I'm gonna kill her now now I'm gonna kill her
3: yeah
1: the night was sultry there you go and then there's there's this other line too, and it's it's just a total throwaway, but it's fucking hilarious where uh Billy Crystal is in the house, uh Owen's house with with Ann Ramsey, and uh she's watching the news and they're like, Oh, we're you know, we're looking for Billy Crystal because blah 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 and accused of murder and blah blah blah. And she's like, There's a murderer in the house. And then Billy Chris is like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. She's like, don't come near me, you black bastard. And then he just stops and goes, what? <laughs> and then that, but, but it's like this just this split second moment. And, and the scene doesn't lose any moment. Like it just keeps going, it just like skips right over it. But you're like, what the fuck? It's, it's great. And then, God, there's, there's another scene too, right around the same time, where Owen just goes up to her and just blasts a trumpet in her ear. And, and they think she's dead and she's just like I just had the most horrible a dream it's
2: fucking hilarious <laughs> Louis Armstrong was trying to kill me yeah there you go that's the line there's another great moment where the first time Billy Crystal comes over to quote unquote meet the mom uh, she comes into the kitchen where they're eating and Danny DeVita says she goes who's this and Danny DeVita says this is my cousin Patty and she says you don't have a cousin patty and is like struggling to find the words and he looks at billy crystal and says you lied to me and then he hits him in the head with a frying pan
1: it's <laughs> <laughs> so good if, frying pan gags will never get old for me that's that's like kicks in the nuts and frying pans to the head always if you, good if you
4: always guys um,
0: haven't seen
4: duplex uh I, I, coleman have you seen it yeah, I have actually I actually watched it on your recommendation, I think.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I would recommend it to the rest of you if you haven't seen it because it's it's more of this, but it's it's like Drew Barrymore and Ben Stiller um move into like this brownstone duplex and uh the old woman like who I think they meet in the beginning, like seems fine, but then turns out to be like just horrible and like is ruining their life. And he's a writer. Ben Stiller's a writer much like um Billy Crystal and Danny DeVito here, and uh, it, there's like a lot of this type of stuff. But like I said, it's darker, and also I think it's kind of maybe uh, trying to say something about gentrification in New York at that time. But um, it's it's also just really really fun.
1: Yeah, I I haven't seen that one yet, but I I really I want to watch rewatch. DeVito's work and uh that's I think that's the only one that I haven't seen well that and Hoffa but uh I I don't know if Hoffa falls out of the comedy category he did one
0: before (laughs) this but I I think it's universally hated I forgot what it's called
1: something weird yeah well uh you know (laughs) speaking of frying pan gags Sean you dropped a, a weird one on us uh when we were coming up with movies to do for this particular episode you immediately jumped out and were like we got to do ed and his dead mother oh, yeah, which okay. is a movie starring steve buscemi from the early 90s and it's got like it's got ned Beatty in it and somehow i i had never even heard of this movie like yeah. totally off my radar completely so uh, I, no, I guess okay. like how how did you come yeah how okay. did you come across this well uh, first, uh, first uh,
4: colman have you uh, were you aware of this movie Coleman? Uh, I was aware of it, but I had never seen
0: it. Okay. Um, this was another one that I knew just from, like, that I became aware of in my childhood. Uh, I think I watched a lot more of this than I watched the Throw Mama from the Train when, like, my grandma rented it. But it was just one of those things that <laughs> made, like, a very deep impression on my brother and I like just one of those things we would quote or just kind of like bring up as like a funny movie or, you know, the type of thing you like plug into Mad Libs and it automatically gets a, gets a laugh. Is, um, is this the first titty you ever saw? I have no idea. I didn't even remember uh, there being actual nudity in it until I rewatched yeah. it. But, um, uh, sure it, you didn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think my grandma rented it when it was newer and, we were just like this is so bizarre, uh, and watching it now, it it still is bizarre, and um, it it's uh, it's not quite as successful as Throw Mama from the Train and, and I imagine Serial Mom, but uh, it's it's very weird. It seems to me like um, well, first of all, I should say what it is, which is Steve Buscemi, um, uh, like pays this weird like sort of uh, extraterrestrial or like um, mystical service. I think Faust yeah yeah
1: he's Faustian Colonel Sanders um, pays <laughs> like
0: to have his mother like reanimated uh, basically and, sh- and they can't really control what else she does. Uh, and she mm-hmm. ends up doing all kinds of things uh, and it's just a weird thing like and uh, we were kind of talking offline and it's very obviously like seemed like it was like just uh built for a cult audience that apparently never um f- it never found never manifested uh, yeah. but <laughs> the last thing i'll say is that um, uh it seemed to me also rewatching it that it took time it took place at the same time as like Twin Peaks type stuff not to say that it was like maybe it was influenced maybe it wasn't or maybe it was just influenced largely larger more generally on uh, Lynch by Lynch but um but it seemed to have like that same nine early 90s like quirky outsiderness to it I don't know if Serial Mom you guys like had that same feeling or not but uh yeah mm. I want to I want to know what you guys thought of this
1: I mean, for me, the the thing that came to mind immediately was it, it kind of feels like dead alive, but for children, <laughs> if that makes sense. That, yeah, that, that seems, seems
3: to be the cool. obvious kind of touch point. Yeah it's like a not gory dead alive.
1: Yeah, and, and it's but it's it's interesting the choices that it makes because it, it, it does kind of feel like dead alive for children because all of the violence in the movie, and there's plenty of it, but it all takes place off screen. Which is odd, but yeah. at the same time, it's it's not afraid to show a boob. So it's like, are you are were you gunning for the like really hard for the the family friendly rating here, but not hard it, enough?
3: It's, yeah, it's it, it's like the most racy PG thirteen movie I could think of coming from like the early nineties, which was like pretty puritanical. I mean, mm-hmm. Hollywood's kind of become more and more conservative mm-hmm. on that, starting from the nineties. <laughs> So it's sort of strange. It's it's uh, The film is weird because there's a lot of good qualities to it. I, mean, I think the performances throughout are really good. Uh, Buscemi, Betty, or, or BD, whatever, are, are really, really great. Um, but it's also just kind of lifeless. It doesn't really... It, it, there doesn't seem to be any any kind of engine animating it. It's certainly... I, I still don't know. Like, it feels like it's a satire, but I have no idea what it's satirizing. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's like corporate greed in that they're trying to, you know... Button this guy down did to pay more money just to keep his his mother alive, or the mother's slipping out of control, and it's just about like Mama's boys needing to let go. But neither of them seem like obvious useful targets in the film. So it
2: just it just sort of. Did you see there's an
0: flag in the in the credit or the, the yeah yeah, yeah that's dead mother and is what, it's
2: colored like the American flag, but I don't know why. Yeah, what, what is, what is and that? They're clearly in like, suburbia yeah,
3: yeah. It just it just feels mixed up. It's like um, another touch corner, like a touch point. I think would be. Uh, I think Jake mentioned as well, like Cannon Lotters, uh, Frankenhooker. It's got a very similar vibe to that, but it, it's nowhere near as funny and out there as as uh, Frankenhooker, which was another film that. Uh, escaped violence in unusual ways, but just by having everyone explode uh, in <laughs> like in, there was no blood, and it didn't work. It still got a very harsh rating. Weirdly enough, a lot of exploding hookers apparently pissed off the MPAA. <laughs> but um, you know, it's, that's a much better film, I think, because it's it you can tell what it's doing. This is just uh, you know kind of confusing. In it's so it's so wild in so many scenes. I mean, there's a the guy who got out of prison. Who's coming back to kill them all? Oh, mom. I forgot about that. And and it's yeah, <laughs> and he's just like he's absolutely just an insane character. It's so wild the way that it's played. But like I say, the film, the whole film feels just kind of inert dramatically. I'm I, there's nothing kind of working on it. So so it's kind of it's strange that there's, there's individual qualities that I'm quite engaged by. or think are interesting, but then the actual film to watch it, it's sort of like it kind of. Looking at your watch, wondering like what what is happening? Like how is it just there's just this dead rhythm to it? Oh, absolutely! Yeah. Like that
1: that was my thought throughout the entire thing. I was I was kind of waiting for it to to ramp up at some point because I think the the premise is fun. The 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 sets are kind of cool. Like I love that how ridiculous the houses look. <laughs> it's just <laughs> there's like I think it's the uh, the the girl across the street uh, she, uh, from, you know, across the street from Ed and his mother in her house, she has like dinosaur wallpaper for some reason. And like, I think it might, it's either her house or Ed's house, but one of them, you just have like a bright, like fire engine, red wooden banister in the house for no reason. It's, it's just, it, it could be this very vibrant movie. And then all the individual performances are fantastic. The, the mom is great. The weird Faustian character is great. Um, Everyone really individually is fantastic, but then somehow all of these these parts are are all pulling in different directions, and and nothing comes together and coalesce into into something fun and entertaining. Really, it, it's maybe I'm being a little too harsh. It's okay, but compared to Throw Mama from the Train and Serial and Mom, like watching those two and then watching this, it's like here are two directors that can really truly like elevate material and make it something special and the guy who did this Jonathan Wax I think this is the last film that that he actually made uh yeah. and I'm not shocked because there's there's not a lot going on here it does, there's no it's like zero energy in this and other than yeah. this he made Pow Wow Highway and Mystery Date and then he directed some TV and that's it so not not the strongest resume either but there's just, there's just nothing here, you know?
2: Yeah, it's it's weird because, like, on paper, if you were to describe this film to somebody, it's Steve Buscemi's mother is resurrected, and the problem is she needs to eat flesh to sustain her life. And you could have a really good dark comedy about maybe him hiding bodies for his mom to eat or something. I don't know. This This needed a director with a stronger vision or the somebody who's willing to go further. And I think that maybe Jonathan wax had that idea, but this feels like of all the films we watched, this had the most studio interference because there are random flashes of nudity and it's a, it's a very oddly horny film. Um, like there's this random subplot that feels really cut down about this preacher trying to buy these tools to silence his, I wrote it down like his raving whore of a wife. Um, which pays off in a weird way, but, um, yeah, this is like, this feels like it, it should have gone further than it does. And it, it really just kind of feels like the studio meddled with it. And now this guy's career ended up dying because of it. But, uh, yeah, oh, it's-, it's just, just such a weird thing.
1: Yeah. It's pretty odd. Uh, Coleman, mm-hmm. uh, you, you're the only person other than Sean that had even heard of this before. So I'm, I'm curious to, to hear what you thought.
4: I mean, my earliest memories of it are just seeing it in, like, the video store. Like, and just seeing the cover. I remember the cover having, uh, like, most of the main characters are there, and, like, the mother is, like, sitting there with, like, a fork and a knife about to eat a dog. And (laughs) that's the earliest memory I have of it. Uh, And then (laughs) just kind of, like, because I watch a lot of trash uh, on my streaming services, it showed up a lot lately, too. Uh, Like, (laughs) things you might be interested in. Um, so it was very easy for me hey, to get hold you're of. a hold Hey, whoopee head, maybe you like this. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know, I, um, I didn't hate it, like, I enjoyed it, um, it was kind of a respite from, uh, all the high art stuff we've been doing, um, so, yeah, I mean, it didn't <laughs> offend me, it was...
3: Like the telephone? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
4: if anything, I think this is the first movie I watched after the Thon. so this was kind of like... It was nice. <laughs> you,
0: you know, it's weird. Uh, or maybe I wonder if any of you guys so, sort of uh, had the same reaction. There's a shot like in the second half where the main dude, uh, the like silver fox um, guy, I forgot what, what what you guys referred to him as earlier, but um, the guy who's paddling this uh, animated life to Steve Buscemi of his mom. Uh, he's like getting pressured by his like corporate overlords or whatever um and he's like in this weird office and there's like a shot of him centered on this like black and white wallpaper and uh it's a really incredible shot just like sort of out of nowhere did did anybody
1: else take note of this um i mean i i don't i don't recall no. that scene specifically
2: i, I I kind of recall because there's also this this like weird tease of a wraparound story where we think Steve Buscemi's character is like in the afterlife in the beginning. Like he's he's like in this trial of his life. And then we flash back to how we got here. But it's just a regular courtroom. There's no there's no like otherworldly thing, which also maybe this was a studio mandated ad. I, I, I don't know but yeah i mean i mean go go further filmmakers make it yeah, a, yeah. You know, like add an angel and a devil in there my crazy. my favorite takeaway from this movie i think is that the
3: sexy neighbor um is uh, would go on to become mrs kevin sorbo hell yeah, yeah uh, and i just, and i just think it's i just <laughs> think it's pretty great that in this Bizarrely horny PG thirteen movie where she actually does nudity, which is like a bizarre thing to show up in this film. And then later on, she just hook up with the God is not dead dude, and apparently write a book about homeschooling. So, and dude, if uh, I ever meet cool. Kevin
1: Sorbo, I'm gonna shake his hand and tell him I saw his wife's right titty.
3: <laughs> I think it's I think it's the right thing to do. I think you have I, to. I have a good good authority that uh,
0: Kevin Sorbo is, uh, uh, or at least has been known to extremely run around on sets uh, behind his wife's back. And then uh, once she is, like, due to arrive on set, like, make sure, like, everyone is in position and nobody says a thing about it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm not, I'm not I'm shocked. shocked.
1: Wow. Hercules has got to flex that dong, dude. Come on.
3: yeah.
1: I Man, Kevin Sorbo is the dumbest motherfucker alive, though. I mean, <laughs> in addition to, like, his shitty Jesus movies he He was on he was on celebrity uh, who wants to be a millionaire, and he fucking just totally whiffed on an early question. It was just like uh who who wrote the famous poem, "I'm nobody. Who are you?" And it was just like Langston Hughes, Shel Silverstein, Emily Dickinson, and he was just like, ah uh, I, I I don't I gotta call my friend in New Zealand. He'll know." Which also dick move because I'm guessing the time difference means you just woke up your fucking Kiwi buddy, you piece of shit, and he still
3: got but it wrong. Steve, Steve, the answer's not in the Bible. Kevin Sorbo doesn't want to know. Right.
4: Uh, I'm sorry. Is is uh, I'm nobody. Who are you? Is that one of the Gospels?
1: Uh, if it's not, I'm not interested.
3: Real
4: New it's Testament Not written by boy.
3: Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. It's irrelevant.
1: Nope. Those those are the only names I recognize. What a fucking asshole. Uh, I don't know. So I, I really hope like an angry Andromeda fan just just comes at us now. He was an incredible captain on Andromeda and I would have him no other way. <laughs> I was always more of a Xena guy. Uh, okay, so <laughs> enough about Sorbo. We'll save that for the Sorbo cast incoming coming oh, no, summer no, 2020. No, <laughs> have we done... This is—I mean, I'm constantly—I'm trying to find new ways to mentally break you guys, and somehow Whoopi Goldberg, you all survived. So, (laughs) until one of you has an aneurysm, uh, it's—you know—I'm not—I'm not not interested in any good movies, really. uh (laughs) I guess we should—we should probably move on to the last movie that we covered this week. This was my mom pick, and nothing makes me think of my mother more than when when I—I watch this film. It's a little little jam from 1987, I believe. Uh, it was a student film made for a mere $10,000 that I discovered, God, it must have been over a decade ago when I was living with Adam Myros and we were watching everything. And this happened to fall under the umbrella of everything. And it's a little uh, cannibal gore flick called Flesh Eating Mothers, wherein a venereal disease... <laughs> is spread about through a small town and uh, the moms start going crazy and eating their kids uh this is probably the greatest movie of all time but i'm willing to entertain other opinions so if anybody wants to jump in and prove me wrong i, I suppose you can
3: well, silence so i'll take I that really, as uh yeah i I, <laughs> I really wanted to like this one and i think i think it's one i'm going to come back to i don't think i was i i Literally rolled out of bed and just threw it on, so I feel like it's maybe not the best movie to wake up with. <laughs> um, it's a little, it's a little rough around the edges. It is, it's genuinely impressive. Some of the stuff it does, produce uh, special effects. Um, some of the, those sequences are really eerie and creepy and impressive for, as say, a film that's made for like 10 grand. And it's also kind of representative of one of my favorite subgenres, which is like just sleazy New York films that oh. like bygone New York, you know, now everything's like the I Love New York initiative and everything's clean and nice and shitty. and Oh, yeah. Every TV show set in like happy, clappy New York. I love... It's bustling and bustling and people making it. And yeah, no, I just, I want to go back to, yeah, like, you know, chud. That's, you know... <laughs> proper pro maniac cop that that's the new york for me i mean if Um, if you're
1: making a checklist of things that i love in in cheap shitty little gore movies this pretty much checks all the boxes okay but one of them for me i love 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 just regional horror films where just the accents are almost overwhelming and it's so great in this because every single person is just like "Ah, i'm a cop from brooklyn Ah, the mutters the mutters are eating everybody ah like that's the whole fucking movie (laughs) what are we gonna do about our mutters
3: i am i am curious because i saw this this is on amazon right now on prime it's streaming and it was real dark and I'm just wondering because I know vinegar syndrome or at least, and I'm just wondering maybe part of my my difficulty maintaining attention was just that it was like it, it was sharp on you know the version they had was like sharp it didn't look like a VHS source but it also looked kind of unrestored and dark and kind of muddy so I'm thinking maybe I need to, to go back and watch it again if See, there's a better edition available I think
1: you do I, I can speak to this because okay all all of the versions of Trauma movies that you're going to find on Amazon Prime, they're all the original Trauma DVD releases. They're not the uh any like, you know, high def upgrades. So I would highly recommend purchasing the Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray because it looks fucking great. Sean, what were you gonna say?
0: I I was just gonna say, uh, if Jack is actually curious about um seen this in the highest quality possible, uh, I suppose I could lend you
3: this uh, Blu-ray. Uh, and, really, you're you're it, willing to part with that with that gem?
0: It, yeah. Speaking of gem, it would probably be a bit of a situation
1: like when KG borrows the rock. Uh, well, it's it's got it. <laughs> uncut gem it's got it's got a beautiful slip cover cover too you can actually run your fingers over one of the flesh-eating mothers and she like pops Uh, out a little they don't
3: don't give me that Mm. you don't get the slip Mm. that's that's only for the paying customers
2: mm. not how you win yeah (laughs) depressing
1: all right well uh, again as i said this is the greatest movie ever made uh jake did you enjoy this one as much as me? I feel like I'm, I'm a lone man here.
2: Oh, I'm so sorry to keep you alone, <sighs> Steve. I, I feel like because Vinegar's Blu rays are they do such a magnificent job of making shit look like it was shot on IMAX. Um, <laughs> but and I, I don't know, just the, the quality of this was really rough. Um, I and I thought you know it took it really kind of takes a while for this to get going, but like once that first like prosthetic. Uh, Chuck E. Cheese face happens where the mother bites the arm off. I, like, I... God, that, that, that'll that stay with me for forever. And I kind of, like, snapped to attention, and I thought, oh, shit, now this movie's taking off. But then it just kind of really... There's a lot of start and stop with the with the violence, and, like, you know, every ten minutes will go by, nothing, 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 and then they'll rip a cat in half, and then nothing, 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 <laughs> and... I don't know, the, the last... The very final gore effect shot is great, but, um... I don't know. I feel like this is kind of like the opposite of Ed and his dead mother where this is where a guy has all the control and no studio interference to make what he wants. But maybe if he had a more guiding hand helping him, this would this could be a better, tighter movie um, because yeah. the, the credentials are there. There's, you know, for look making I'm a big fan of movies that you know are shot on like shoestring budgets that look have like great fantastic gore set pieces but um yeah i know this just kind of felt like it was wheezing to get to 90 minutes um yeah.
0: uh, I, I was i was gonna um say that it has like whereas some of these movies that we have talked about today we, we kind of uh concurred that they lo- lose a little bit of steam going and um I think that this is more of a dip in the middle, but um, the end. I, I found myself like sort of paying closer attention um, mm-hmm. to some of the humor that that pops up. That is because of the tone of it. It kind of has like sort of this, um, yeah. this. I don't know if it's ironic, but sort of like sort of like a I don't know casual sarcasm that kind of feels like uh, predated stuff like uh, stupid Sean zombie movie. What was that? Sean of the dead, like That type of, um, uh, humor and, you know, like uh, warm bodies, that type of zombie stuff that we had the craze of like eight or so years ago, five years ago. Um, it, it felt like it kind of like tripped over that, like, and just kind of did it. But obviously, um, I don't think many people saw this.
1: <laughs> no, I, I really, I he, not a popular film, <laughs> as far as I could tell. No, the
3: acting, the acting is real rough. I mean, it's clearly it's yeah. just kind of whoever was willing to show up on it. But yeah, there's, there's strange. There's a scene where that the women in like the mothers in like full as as they're affected, they get like full like makeup, like they turn into like zombies. And there's like a scene where they're just walking along, just chatting yeah, to each other, exactly. and it's just it's such a strange scene. And it's sort of like there's definitely a lot of things i like in this film and the way that and the fact it was all put together it's it's a genuinely an interestingly unusual film it just yeah like jake says there's a start stop There's kind of there there isn't really a tempo to it it's difficult to get in with it mm-hmm. um which you know i i think it is is something that it, it's uh, clearly a lot of barriers to this film in terms of its budget and everything it was probably put together on the fly um working with I don't know how many takes they got for anything. I don't know if the script was fully laid out or they were just sort of, like, winging it. Um, But it still still manages, like, the, the gore sequences are really impressive. There's still, like, lots of, like, things in like uh, there's one point where they have like 15 cops almost show up somewhere pointing their guns and it's like where do they get all the costuming like it there's it's there's weird moments of accomplishment in it too Mm -hmm. um yeah it's it's kind of definitely a film that deserves i think or is worth being rescued it feels like one of those strange things and and also like the theme tune uh, like the opening credits are great there's this weird up beat song about suburbia over this slow pan of this like idyllic child's painting of of like of school bosses and happy families and white picket fences like there, there's just some really you know and then there's a great closing credit song too like these strange <laughs> like happy clappy pastiche songs dude it, it's it contains some really interesting successes in in the midst of obviously being kind of like sticky taped together. Oh mm. well,
1: the, the songs are amazing. It just sounds like like Kate Bush ad libbing over like a Casio keyboard
3: preset. <laughs> it's fucking awesome.
1: <laughs> <both the well laughs> <into therbia.
3: laughs>
1: So the, yeah, the, the, <laughs> the opening song is that And then the closing song is just like Sometimes you gotta Eat all your neighbors Cause you're just a mom But you're also a cannibal It's just like reciting Like all the lyrics are just like Here's the plot of the movie This is, this is what's going on hey, wait, if, yeah. That, that,
0: yeah, if, that, if that was like a band that came out And had any sort of like
1: Traction they would kill Yeah mm. Kate Bush Wesley Willis collab uh, <laughs> there's there's a I, lot I of stuff funny. in this movie oh go ahead Sean I,
0: I was just going to say uh, we were kind of talking about this offline you and, you and I Steve but uh, it's funny that um, we were kind of talking about the barriers and what the filmmaker had to do but uh, he gets um, a lot of air on the supplements of the Blu-ray and um, it's funny that he seems to have completely Divested his interest in this project. <laughs> like, uh, obviously, he has enough to like come in and do this, the like new like commentary and interview and stuff like that. But he doesn't seem to really care about this. Uh, at one point, he's like, "I, I like what I do now." Uh, and then he, um, and it doesn't even seem that proud of this. But he he does say after that, "Yeah, that doesn't mean I, I would you know turn down uh, uh, somebody." wanted a script written asking James Martin to write a script for something now
3: given the full Abel Ferreira audio commentary like I'm only here to because they're paying me (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. it's
1: it's interesting too because they don't they don't play the the actual questions just his responses in the interview but Mm -hmm. clearly somebody asked him like why did you make a horror movie And his response was, well, I was in film school with all these guys and we were supposed to be making these student films and none of us had any money. And I figured if we all took all the money that we had, which wasn't a lot, and we put it together, we could probably make a horror movie and sell it because people wanted to buy gory horror movies at the time. It's like, well, you're not wrong. That's (laughs) not bad. So it's almost more like a convenient business decision. But it, it is weird watching this because... There's plenty of parts where you you see the seams, you know, you can see how cheap it is. There's an early scene where uh, a couple of the girls are just walking down the street, like leaving school, and you can, much like this podcast, you can clearly hear like traffic in the background and just all this stuff just over their dialogue, and it's like one take done. And then there's a bunch of scenes too where they're in like a, it's like a doctor's office, But it's it looks like somebody's like wood panel basement that they just put a fucking table in. And it's it's so cheap. But then there's other things too. In in the same doctor's office, they're they're like looking at the virus underneath a microscope.
2: I had this. And it switches
1: it switches to this animation where it's like a, a perfectly animated little like cartoon virus like eating a cell or something. How did you get the money for that? Or even the end sequence. Where the cops are, you know, ten cops show up and they're they've they've got the the flesh eating mothers cornered, and it's got this like crazy red and blue lighting. Like I'm watching a fucking Dario Argento movie all of a sudden, and it's just like, where where did all of this come from? I've I don't I can't think of a movie that I've watched recently where the divide between this clearly costs five dollars to make and oh we have some fucking talent is is so like it's so wide. <laughs> And I also think you guys, you're really, you're downplaying just the weird moments, like almost incidental moments of humor that pop up throughout this. Just, like there's these other scenes where before the moms start eating other people, they realize they have this insatiable mm-hmm. hunger. And there's like one scene where a mom is just like shoving a bologna sandwich in her face. And it's fucking disgusting <laughs> and hilarious. And there's another scene where all the moms are sitting around a table together talking And they're eating potato chips and then it pans down to a dog and they just dropped like half the bag of the potato chips on top of this dog. And the dog's just covered in chips. (laughs) It's fucking incredible stuff. So, again, uh, it's uh, it's the Citizen Kane of $10,000 gory slashers from the 80s. That's all I'm going to say about it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it
3: feels like I mean, if I had to sum this up, it feels like it's. Somehow, it's like street trash, but grungier, <laughs> which is a really not not probably the direction most people would want to go from street trash. High but, praise for but some. That's this.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right, gentlemen. Well, before we wrap this up, I'd like to know. And go one at a time here. Which one of these moms do you do you most identify with? Which one do you think is is the most similar to your own mother, Sean? You want to go first? <laughs>
0: Uh, I would say uh, the mother from Edna's dead mother because um, sometimes she just stays up until the wee hours of the morning making pies and other desserts if the occasion calls for it. Um, and uh, we saw that happen there. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm actually, I'm going to go with Edna's dead mother as well because my mom sleeps in the refrigerator. Uh, <laughs> Coleman, how about you? Uh.
4: I might go serial mom because uh, I don't I, I just could imagine, you know, in my life, whenever somebody sort of wronged me or done something like I see like <laughs> a different side of my mother and it, just because she loves me and she cares about me. But like she'd, uh, she she would kill for me, I think, if needed, if need be. <laughs>
1: I've, I've met her and on I, record. Believe, I believe she would kill. She would kill. She may have killed and she will kill again. Uh, No, seriously, Coleman, your mother's wonderful. She's a great cook. I spent a Thanksgiving at the Coleman's. So first-hand experience, A-plus mom. Uh, Jake, how about you?
2: Uh, I'm going to have to go Serial Mom too. I think uh, my mom would uh, would kill.
0: We didn't talk about the sequel.
2: It's uh, Serial Mom (laughs) 2, Back in the Habit, um, where she finds Christ and uh, learns the error of her ways. Um, But no, yeah, I think my mom would kill for our family. So I'm going to nominate Serial Mom as well. Uh, just uh, just a, real quick because I don't know if I'll get my chance I also watched for this project uh, stop or my mom will shoot and uh, yeah. it's terrible <laughs> it's so annoying another Comedy
1: Central special
2: <laughs> yeah that's how I remember yeah, it too. It's so, uh, it's so irritating. It's just, it's just. Sylvester Stallone's a cop, and his mom comes to town, and every time he's investigating or tries to do a bust, his mom just interferes, and it's just him going, Whoa, "What do you do?" And and, and everybody, everybody loves the trailer her.
0: Trailer right? being big deal for that.
1: Hey, uh, yeah. hey mom. Uh, I'm t- I'm trying to arrest this uh this gang. They uh they clang these big metal axes together, and uh you're getting them away. That's, that's uh a top cobra. Of my mom will shoot cobra mashup yeah, yeah.
3: Uh,
2: well i'm
1: glad i don't have to watch that thank you for uh fighting the good fight
3: jake yeah a little extra
1: credit yeah. there
2: yeah that's, You're why, welcome. We, that's why we I'm love glad. you buddy yeah happy to do it jack
1: jack how about you which uh which which mom would you choose and you can't say the mom oh, from good. billy the kid either <laughs> <laughs>
3: no i'm I'm gonna go probably I think cereal mom as well because my mom is definitely concerned with um, with the the architecture of etiquette that holds whole civilization <laughs> together um, and coming out on the right side of of you know everyone's opinions on those things mm-hmm. so yeah I think that's probably the closest she's never eaten anyone so I don't think flesh eating moms uh, applies yeah do you think if if that I know of given the opportunity? Uh,
1: if, if we could shoot back to 1987, do you think if your mother suddenly developed a craving for human flesh based on an encounter with a venereal disease, she would eat Margaret Thatcher?
3: Um, um, that would have that been a heroic act. Um, i managed to stomach that person. Uh, so, yeah. No, it, it sadly never came a lot up. Of iron. Uh, but... A lot of iron. A lot of iron. Yes. That... <laughs> <laughs> a lot of bile, too. Oh, Lord. All right,
1: guys. Uh, Jack, what are you putting over this week?
3: Uh, whoo, great question. Um, you know, I'm gonna put over an album, Giant Swan. I uh, just recently discovered this kind of like garage noise, electronica. It's just it's pretty good. It's just two guys with uh, some some guitars and and I don't know whatever makes electronic noises these days. Um, so yeah, check it out, Giant Swan by Giant Swan. It's good.
1: Cool. Coleman, what are you putting over this week? Uh, Dr. Otto and the Riddle of the
4: Gloombeam. The fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going nuts. I'm, like, watching all this, like, earnest stuff lately. I want to do a Nerdist <laughs> podcast, but this is d- <laughs> director John Cherry's... It's the first appearance of Ernest P. Whirl in a film. And oh. it's Jim Varney plays the title role... And of Doctor Otto, who's this mad scientist type guy who wants to destroy the American economy? So it's good, good movies for these times. A uh, good movie for these times. He has like this like hand that sits on top of his head, and it's I don't know. I just want to put it over because I want somebody else to watch it because I feel like if nobody else watches it, that I experienced a really bizarre fever dream.
1: It's good to know. I think we should do the Earnest podcast. I was actually I was talking to Susan about it and uh, she she discouraged me from doing that just for her own you know mental yeah, health reasons. I just got rid of all my Rinnerness DVDs. Oh so. no. I'll have to I'll have to send you some Blu-ray copies, man. That's the only that's oh, the only solution. They're, they're all streaming I, I was for free, on Tubby. Oh, well there we go. See? It's 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 serendipitous. It's meant to be. We're going uh, to have just, to do it. I just lost my my
3: Toby app. Dang. <laughs> Oh,
1: that's too bad. It's too bad. I
3: feel like someone's not in the spirit of things here.
1: <laughs> well, the thing that really threw me for a loop is when Susan said she, she didn't want to watch all the Ernest movies with me. Can you believe oh. it? Her biggest concern with Ernest is she said when he says, know what I mean, Vern, she doesn't know who Vern is. And that upsets her. And she doesn't think <laughs> Ernest knows who Vern is either. And that's a good point, really, if you think about it. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Jake, what are you putting over this week?
2: Uh, Well, to add to the balance of uh, mom movies, I'm going to recommend a dad movie, um, specifically Bellman and True, which I just watched the uh, Indicator Blu-ray of. It's a film about a uh, a guy. He's like a mild-mannered banker, basically about as opposite as you could get from Liam Neeson. And his son is kidnapped by these thieves who want to use him to break into his own bank so that they can steal the money. And uh, he does so willingly or against his will, rather. But, um, eventually he learns to start fighting back, even though he's just a regular guy and it's, uh, English and it's really awesome. So Bellman and true, check it out. Cool. For all you dads Uh, out there.
1: all, All those, all those listening dads, we got something for you. It's not just about the ladies tonight. Yeah. Sean, what are you putting over this week?
0: Uh, it's a show that I've been watching, um, on television and uh, Hollywood. it's like sort of, sort of a contest uh, it's called uh,
1: Top Chef <laughs> Top Chef for is this week four <laughs> of Top Chef what season are you on
0: uh, finished a season I can't remember I think it was seven maybe whatever's Washington DC uh, which actually is a sucky season um, feel free to skip if you're going through it But, uh, so probably going on to eight, I mean, yeah, probably going on to
1: eight, kind of jumping around, but we'll see. Wow. You're wild, man. You don't even follow continuity. Unbelievable. No, 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 no. Well, uh, this week I'm going to put over a movie from 2006. It's called Borat. It was ranked number six on the (laughs) sight and sound poll from that year. So that's how you know it's really good. Uh, you should definitely see that. Uh, all right guys. Well, if you enjoyed the podcast this week, Make sure you click the link in the description. That'll take you to our iTunes page. Go ahead, give us a five-star review. We fucking need it. Come on, man. Just do it. It'll take you three seconds. Five stars. And uh, leave a written review, too. Just write something great like five stars, even though Adam Myros isn't always on. Uh, we love him dearly and we wish he was there for every episode. You could say that if you want, or you could say Adam Myros is a piece of shit, or you could be like the person who said that like Adam Myros should wear a furry suit or something in the last review that we got. That's cool too. Uh, I would highly recommend though, insulting Adam Myros. That's, that's probably your best bet on that written review that you're going to write for us. Thank you. Uh, if you want to email us, optimismvaccine at gmail.com, or you can tweet your death threats, marriage proposals, comments, questions to uh Optimism vaccine on Twitter. And I'd say that pretty much wraps things up. So, Jake, last words yours. Homa! Homa!
4: Evan! (laughs) Homa! Evan! Evan! Fuck face, fuck face,
2: fuck face.